Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five. I just cracked my knuckles. Uh, a drumming podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum and a member of the Drum Click Podcast Network. This week's episode is nothing but good vibes. We've got Carson Gant, a.k.a. One-Up Drum Vids, on the show. And if you don't know Carson, to be honest, I don't even know how I was first turned on to him, but his ability to recreate classic loops and drum breaks on the acoustic kit is unmatched. Not so much in the vein of Jojo Mayer, Adam Betts, and Richard Spaven, which I've described in a similar way, but the slower, hip-hop-style grooves that might seem a little more approachable in comparison to the drummers I just mentioned, but oh no. Believe me, there are a lot of nuances within a groove that are only exposed when you slow down the tempo, at least from drum and bass, and Carson and I get into all those things. So this has been a long time coming because Carson has been a busy little Canadian bee launching a website providing a different take on the classic loop library system called oneuploops.com, which we talk about that later. But please enjoy the top five influences that shaped Carson Gant into the drummer he is today. Cheers. Before we get started uh, with your choices, I do want to play some tracks from you. And so you did send me five of your tracks. And so I want to play one um, right off the bat called Game Over. And you said in parentheses that you really like this one. Oh, I, I like it. It's not mixed, <laughs> but I like I like the vibe. And uh, yeah, I do. I like it. Do you mind if I play it on the air and then we can talk about kind of the vibe and what why it stands out to you? Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, here we go. The song's called Game Over. So yeah, man, what's the what's the deal with that? Oh, that's that's a second track on a record um, that I've been working on the last four years with my buddy Chris, um, Phantom out of Detroit, and uh, that one's really cool because that was actually that that sample is from uh, it's from a clothing commercial from okay. like the seventies or something. But his buddy who grew up with Dilla had that on a cassette and. And it was, it's like nowhere, you can't find it anywhere. And he, he gave it to Chris and, uh, we were looking for an intro for the record forever. And we're like, oh man, like we just can't, we don't know what the intro should be. We've since made another intro, but this is now the second track and it's kind okay. of like a, a two part intro, but it, that, I don't know, something about that vibe and, and, uh, uh, was just like a real magical track for me. I just, I just love the feeling of, of that track. And I, I kind of like the, uh, I like that since six or 
spree or three or whatever it's in. Um, sure. It's kind of like an old school Kanye beat. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I tracked that when I got a good, I got a good take on it. I thought I was like, I was, I, I, I normally hate everything that I do. And that one I was like, oh, I, I know it's okay. So I'll hate it in a year, but for now. I'm, do you really? Is that because I, I, I completely empathize with that. You, you yeah. hate most things you do. Oh, absolutely. Especially you'll you'll kind of sit with it, and and especially if you put it on Instagram, you're kind of like, you know, you get suckered in the old dopamine reward system, and you start watching your own video, and you're like, oh, sure. oh man, this is not so good. And then you archive it or delete it, and I don't know. Really? Okay. Yeah, I suck at that stuff. <laughs> What's the percentage of things you put out to things you eventually archive? Oh. I'm sure I've put out like 300 videos and there's probably only 170 on my Instagram. Oh man. It's just kind of going back and being like, that sucks. That sucks. Well, it's good to know that like even someone like you, who I look at as just like a very unique voice in the industry, um, that even you have <laughs> feelings like that. So thank you. Oh, your, way too your many. Your pain is oh. making me feel better. <laughs> good. I'm, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. Thanks for playing that. That's uh, yeah. I'm excited for that to come out. Eventually. Yeah. Well, I do want to play another one, um, and then we can move into kind of how you have created your your voice and how you dissect your influences before getting into the influences themselves. Um, and so I want to play the song "Leave It," which oh, I love cool. when you send me. Yeah, I like this one too. Switch up. Bongos. Gated bongos. <laughs> That's a good band name. <laughs> Again, so outs. sick, dude. Oh, I know. I'm super pro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just thanks, me man. and the Apple Music going like this. Yeah, That's no, you you have a really nice touch. <laughs> thanks, man. But yeah, so what's what's the what's the backstory with that one? That one, um, that like all these, I gotta make it very clear. This is Chris Phantom. Like he, the magic behind these is him. I just get to come up with drum parts and and kind of have fun mixing them a little bit before they get mixed by a legit dude. But um, that one uh, that one was really cool because that first sample was like so jarring burning yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um uh yeah i don't know that one was really fun to kind of come up with a cool kind of all over the map kind of breakbeat kind of thing and then it settles into this mm, pretty kind of it, it turned the when the baseline comes in it's like a dj battle cat kind of uh west coast hip-hop vibe um with always that kind of detroit twist kind of the that feel that Chris is like, you know, definitely lets me know when I'm not nailing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I really like that one. I, that one was really fun to experiment with sounds, um, kind of getting those bongo sounds and, um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one to track for sure. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm not going to play it now cause I'm assuming at this point, I haven't done it yet, but I'm assuming I'll be playing the song high beam 
uh, going into this conversation. So the first song you heard after my little intro was the song High Beam. Um, but I, I do want to talk about, so the first time I, I really got infatuated with your playing was in 2019. It was a video where you were talking about Broken Beats. And you were dissecting the song It Don't Work Like That by Bugs in the Attic off the record Back in the Doghouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I've been watching you for a long time, but to see that video and to see the sheet music, and I guess there was a disconnect with me before with, like, how intricate that stuff really is. Until you actually see it written out and then, like, alongside you playing it, it's just, like, there's so much more going on than I, than I really think about. Right. And when I think about your playing, it's all about intricacy um, and and nuances. And so uh, you sent me five things that kind of help you uh, progress on the instrument. And I'm not sure if you have those five in front of you or I can prompt them and you can kind of uh, indulge them a little bit and then we can get into your five tracks. Yeah, what was the first one was definitely... Um, exploring as many producers as you can and emulating sounds and learning how to think like a producer behind the kit. Yeah, that was a big a step for me, kind of from kind of growing up playing. I was like a prog guy. I was a Mars oh, really? Volta. Yeah, I was like Volta, Tool, um, uh, Our Lady Peace is not prog, but kind of rock, like more like rock. And, <laughs> I love that that was the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Peace. Enya, just, you know, all that Enya, stuff. <laughs> all that prog music. Um, but I also grew up listening to a lot of jazz and, and things like that. And for whatever reason, I wasn't that into hip hop or anything. Kind of like Dr. Dre when it came out, the 2001 record. I was in like grade four or something, and I was pretty into that. But uh, Limp Biscuit was kind of the bridge of like, rock and hip-hop and i remember trying to learn all those grooves and and then it really is kind of through john otto which is kind of funny uh that i started getting into hip-hop and then that kind of turns into the how to get the sonics and then how to actually play this stuff so that you can do it on a kit and it it translates well in recordings like you kind of have to change how you play so i started getting into producers um and uh, I was like listening to almost nothing else. I, it's just, you know, Dilla, Pete Rock, Premier, um, DJ Battlecat. Um, man, so, so many people, just like any producer, Black Milk, um, Alchemist, like all these guys who just have these unique ways of putting beats together. And then you get to sit there as a drummer. And, and for me, they're, they're like, it's just a million little Rubik's cubes. And you get to sit there and be like, oh, wow, like, DJ Premier, like he'll stick his kicks together in like a certain way. It's like, it's like it's like its own little grid. They're kind of closer together than they should be, but like the hi hats are kind of up here, or you know whatever. And then obviously most people are are pretty aware of of Dilla and and his contributions to um, the groove stuff. Um, uh, it sounds weird even saying that. It's because everyone's taken so much for him now but uh yeah so just getting into producers and then and figuring out the grooves but then trying to figure out the sonics of the grooves as well has just been a never-ending journey and i'm i'm still on it i I try and do you know a little recording every day and then try and mix it from scratch and uh see how close i can get and if it's any good maybe i'll put it out and if it's not it goes in the trash bin and then oh you put it out and archive it and then (laughs) yeah 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 or i do that yeah exactly (laughs) Do you get frustrated or not frustrated? You don't seem like a guy that gets frustrated super easily. Um, but when when people just blanketly say, "Oh, the Dilla feel," 
when you you're like, well, it's actually not the Dilla feel. It's the black milk feel. You know, do you does it? Are you oh. kind of is one of your missions to like kind of get more producers known than just Dilla? Nothing against Dilla, obviously. Yeah, if I wasn't being recorded, I'd have like a really great answer for you. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I like it. Uh, I don't know how to put it. You know, it's kind of funny because so many people. They just go, oh yeah, Dilla Groovage, you know, but yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, like it's somewhere, it's kind of a slinky hi hat. It's like when you actually <laughs> sure. listen to his stuff, it's like, it's there's like I have like I don't know five gigabytes of Dilla on my computer. I mean, I got FLAC files. I don't think that's making the quality off the MPC any better, but anyways, um, but it's like. Uh, there's, it's more about like his placement against the sample. And I think a lot of people just miss that piece. It's like it has nothing to do with well, – it's not that it has nothing to do with, with the grooves, but it's everything to do with the gravity and the weight and the way that he – the sounds and how he layered them against the music that's playing, the bass line or whatever sample it is. And, and so that's where, to me, that's where the real Rubik's Cube kind of lies is like – if that if those drums are shut off, which now you can do with all these cool programs that can suck the drums out of tracks, it's like, can you actually hear it where it was sitting and like and place yourself, you know, in that space? Or it's like if the drums are gone, are you just completely lost? Because that's what I hear happens so much. You go to a jam or something and someone starts busting out their dilly grooves and and you're kind of like, you don't actually know how to sit this against the music. Um you know for it to have that feeling that that you know that you wanted to create mm-hmm. kind of thing so i think that was that's something that um uh is really hard that's like it's so hard to to sit a groove in a way that the other musicians if you're doing it live are like not freaking out and you there's like a way to like zip them in to play like how you want them to play mm-hmm. i don't really know how to explain that too well but um i had a lot of help from teachers that were like super on this stuff that that helped me kind of i don't yeah i I don't really know what more to say on that no i do i mean that's kind of i think you were very diplomatic about it but i think uh what's 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 cool about having you on and why i'm excited is because i will say i'm not the most well rehearsed in what we're talking about but it's so interesting to me and it's inspiring because i've been kind of the last few years not, I don't want to say uninspired, but like, I don't really want to go blaze chops. I don't want to do all these things that as a big fat snare drum, social media guy, I don't want to say it's in a negative way, but a lot of stuff does not impress me. And I've been like, what is something I can dive into? And the stuff you're talking about and stuff I've seen you talk about is like, you can take a very basic beat conceptually and what there's so many different ways kind of alluding to your um, your website we'll talk about later, but what can you do with the hi-hat? What can you do with the bass drum? What if you displace it a little bit when it's like otherwise a, 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 a drum beat you might learn on the third week learning the drum set? But there's right. so much you can do with those beats that can make them 500 different beats. Um, and that's so, so it, it, it's all, it's reinvigorating my love for, for just sitting behind the kit. So I'm excited. Uh, cool. That's amazing. But number two, dissecting tunes and sitting with them as long as it takes. Right. Yeah. So it plays into the the whole kind of producer exploring them. It's kind of like, it's pretty easy to pull. It, it, 
just like what you said, it's like there's these really simple beats when you, you write them out on paper, you're like, man, there's, that's that's nothing. Like, I got yeah. that. Are you kidding me? And then when yeah. you try and when you try and actually play to it where it, it, it sat against the sample, you know, whatever track that may be, um, it, you realize really quick that you're not hearing it as strongly as the guy who produced it. And you're kind of like, oh, man, I, I have to actually stretch my my hand completely out of time. Uh, apart from my kick but it needs to but it can't flam with the kick so it's like i gotta hit the kick way down on the downbeat but then i gotta pop the hi-hats are kind of sitting more ahead and and so you kind of sit there and you're like oh man you you record to it and then i listen to myself and i've done that i've just turned that practice those practice sessions into my instagram essentially that's all they are it's like me hearing his track that i it's a rubik's cube i want to figure it out and i sit there for you know, as long as it takes to figure out what it is, where it sits. And then nowadays, just starting this year, now that there's so many programs that you can just easily suck the drums out. It's like, now it's getting way more fun because you're, you're like, okay, can I, am I actually hearing it? And you can record yourself playing to it and then kind of look back at where the drums actually are and be like, wow, I'm hearing this like way, way behind. Like, why is that? Like, what am I hearing wrong? Why aren't I sitting against the baseline? Like how I, I want, I want to emulate what it is. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess just like sitting, instead of doing a whole bunch of stuff all the time, it's like, if you're stuck on a track and it's a simple groove, but you can't sit it against the music, but just keep working on it. Like just keep shedding to it until you can do it. Um, that's, uh, that's been something that has been really beneficial for me. I, I think I, I definitely has its downsides. I mean, my chops suck. So, you know, but I would I, say that, but sure. But, I mean, I guess you got to redefine chops. Um, well, yeah. but speaking of you and, and, and sitting in the music, you have this, <laughs> I, I, I laughed when I was talking with Madden class about this. Cause I was like, don't be weird, but I, I like kind of really focus on people's hands and what they're doing in their wrists and stuff. And in your videos, you do this thing where I can tell you're trying to lay back so much that your 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 wrist almost pauses for like a millisecond before you hit like a cross <laughs> yeah, stick right. because you're trying to at least my I mean maybe talking about prog and stuff a lot of that stuff sometimes could be ahead of the beat and so my instinct is always to kind of push a little bit and so I can see that you're trying to force yourself to just like have that little bit of a twitch to make sure you're just a little bit behind right um, right and it's really cool it sounds great that came from my my teacher. I had a, a teacher named Ray Garraway, and he asked, he also is my favorite drummer ever. To We're live. gonna talk about him later. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, please, yeah. Please, well, please go now. If you ever pull up, I mean, there's not many videos on YouTube, but if anyone just types Ray Garraway in, I think it's G A R R A W W A Y, um, and he he would just he would pot like it's like how his sticks and so i i would watch so many of his videos and he would be playing he's the one who like turned me on to the dilla stuff him and and one of my mentors dale james it's like they're the ones who got me on this stuff and and being able to have him in a room with me crushing it and how he was doing it it was like he would put his finger on top of his stick and it would like he like wouldn't even it would like he'd play all these ghost notes in the air and everything and like I was like oh man like what are you doing and then he's like I'm thinking about this but I'm so like you know I don't know it, it, it's one of those things that just kind of happened from staring at him um, for you know hundreds of hours so that that's was so awesome. uh, yeah that's where that comes from I definitely you know old videos of me in my teens I was not my sticks were uh, just always moving there's no pauses. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know what the hell my sticks were doing back then, but yeah. Uh, but this is going off what you're saying. Uh, I'm going to skip one, but surrounding yourself with people better than you and the importance of mentors. I mean, you were talking about that right there. Yeah, that that has been so massive for me. I've been really lucky in um, in my teachers and and kind of some people have turned into really close friends over my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my first. Uh, one of my or my second drum teacher that I've had for a long time. I need to go for a lesson now. Um, Andy Erickson in Calgary. He's like he's like a freak. Like I just lucked out. He he uh, he's like a Vinny, Peter Erskine, Omar Hakim hybrid who wow. can like do everything and play everything and sound incredible and kind of has the studio in his backyard and so just kind of growing up and him showing me this is how a compressor works this is this Mm. is how eq works but this is also how to you know play this insane stuff and and having him was so huge like my first drum lesson with him i was i don't know how old i was pretty young and i went home with like four records i had um Voodoo, you know, D'Angelo, had no idea who it was. I got it from him. Uh, Michelle Endegaicello's Peace Beyond Passion, like mm. ridiculous, like Gene Lake killing it. Um, John McLaughlin's record After the Rain with Alvin Jones and I don't know if it's Joey G. G. Francesco. Um, and uh, oh, what was the fourth one? After the Rain, Voodoo, Michelle, and uh, oh, I think so. first record, yeah, In Sync. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was the Screaming Headless Torsos. Uh, like oh, a, nice, yeah, out of New York. I think that was more a video, but yeah, it's just, it was nuts. Like I just lucked out and I was like, oh man, and he, he turned me on to D'Angelo long before I knew who Dilla was. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though he was in the room with those guys um, and had such a huge influence on that music, but uh, yeah. And then uh, another guy, Dale James, he's a insane bass player. And he happened to move back to Calgary after Fukushima uh, happened. He was living in Japan at the time mm. and just being around someone of that caliber um, who's just so honest with me all the time like he'll he doesn't really creep my instagram too much but he will and he'll be like yeah that sound like shit man <laughs> i'm like no <laughs> he's like he's like, he's like your downs are like not down enough and like your snare needs to pop way more and like i don't know i just don't believe you yet and i'm like okay back to the drawing board like that's a that's kind of a in a weird way a good friend right there oh the best the best friend yeah and he's and he could back it up he's like he's a freak of nature on the bass and yeah, and then Ray Garraway. So that my favorite drummer was also sure. my teacher. So that was got real lucky with those three guys. Sounds like it, man. So when when you do go to a lesson, um, what is like if you were to sit down right now, what what would you be like? I need to work on this right now. Because I mean, again, I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass, but I mean it seems like you're doing just fine. Uh, what would you want to work on? Oh, like opening up i think i think i went so many years in the kind of the producer realm in kind of lockdown mode i even had dale dale called me up he's like i was taking a shower man i know what your problem is i was like what he's like you're in lockdown you're like 100 feet under the ocean in a submarine and you need to come to the surface and learn how to fly and i'm like oh you're right (laughs) like you just like you nailed it like that's that's what it is it's like uh if you're going to play a groove that is pre-planned, like it better be crushing. Like that was always something he told me, Dale. He's like, he's like, cause look at guys like Elvin. It's like every, they're improvising everything and it's crushing bar after bar after bar. So if you're going to, if you have a groove in your mind and you're, you're going to sit down, like, yeah, it better be freaking dope because you planned it out or like, you know what I mean? So there's sure. been, a, that's what I I'm working on. is like trying to learn how to fly, like really trying to be able to link ideas together and, 
um, and be able to improvise, you know, live with other musicians and that, you know, being in a studio by yourself kind of takes its toll and, and you really crave that, that interaction with other people on a stage. And so that, yeah, I need to work so hard on that, which that's, that's the track he gave me was that 4am by Herbie Hancock that, um, one of those tracks is like, that's the one he gave me to kind of drill that home because it's like, I got okay at playing like locking down beats, but then it's like Harvey Mason is like, he's crushing, but it's bouncy and effortless and light. And he's just like, you know, playing with two of the best musicians who ever lived. Just, they're all just floating around together and it's, uh, it's beautiful. So that's what I work on. Hey y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye yeah, well, let's let's just go into that, man. Let's just go into the, um, you alluded to it. Four AM by Herbie Hancock, and again, that's you just said it. It's Harvey Mason on drums, and I like that. I like I like the verbiage you use, and there's a specific one later that I want to bring up as well. But bouncy, light, and free as a bird. Yeah, um, and I love that, man. I love the way you describe music. Yeah, but it let's is, man. let Harvey. me just go and play a little bit of that, and then okay. we can, if you do want to talk more about that, because. Uh, it was a great, uh, great segue. You're a great host. Oh, thank you. listening but like he's doing 
sometimes more intricate stuff than like heavy metal rockers, you know? Yeah, it's, it's nuts. And he's just, he's so light, like, and articulate, like, absolutely. Jacko, like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> that guy's got to be one of my favorite musicians of all time, which that's kind of a cliche, but it's so true. Is cliches are cliche for a yeah, reason. Yeah, you know Jacko, I mean? man. Oh, jeez. So I'll be honest. I mean, again, I just, full disclosure, whenever I talk to people, there's a lot I don't know. I'm not that familiar with Harvey Mason as a drummer. Um, what's a little bit of a backstory with him just... Oh, for you my would own know, sake? like, I mean, his, like, the stuff, you definitely know the Headhunter stuff, like, Chameleon, so that's all uh, Harvey Mason. He he's one of the most recorded drummers uh, as far as I know. Like he's like okay. he's on thousands and thousands of recordings, and he does movie scores. And he's oh. actually got a he's got a great um, lesson out uh, with Drumio where they kind of go over oh. some of his most famous grooves and and things he's he's been on. But he's like he he's he grew up studying um, uh, like symphonic percussion as well. So like he's got that melodic sense and as well as like, you know, his, his roles and everything are just like, they're so perfect. And yeah. I don't know how, how he, he kind of threads a line through the whole track. Um, it's like uh, kind of like Jack DeJohnette, like they just like they can, they hear the whole arc of a tune and that, mm -hmm. you know, that's something I, I wish I could get 1% of. Um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So Harvey, one of my faves. That's sick, man. Yeah. Well, since we're already into it, let's go to number two, and I'll just go back to the beginning. And this song, I was listening to it yesterday, driving around. It is so, so cool. And you use the word gravity, um, and I love that, uh, describing this this beat especially. But it's Connection by Salvador Dream. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you just said the this gravity and Ray. weight. Yeah, yeah. Ray Garraway on the drums. Can't find this on Spotify. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I, I know. know I, was, I was trying to make a little playlist, but luckily you sent me these. So um, yeah, let me just play a little bit of of connection. And there's, I want to play from the beginning, but there's also a fill at the end that is just so cool. Oh, but I think I know the fill you're talking about. <laughs> Little hi hat thing, so effective. So sick. So there's oh. that, and then I wanted to play. Uh, it's a fill around 4:35, so I'm gonna start it at 4:20, and then uh, yeah. So in about 10 seconds, guys. Any any second now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dude. Oh my god! And that's kind of like the only time he really does like an extended fill in the song. Yeah, yeah. And it's towards the end, and it's such a payoff. 
and that's a one take like that's like that is a take like it's so nuts to me that like how he how he hears it and where he can place it and the hi-hats are just they're percolating up here and his totally. kick and snare are so down it's just like it's just like getting kicked in the gut like over and over again you're just like Duh. yeah how he heard the gravity of music and and where he could place things it was like you can imagine that guy showing me how to play a Dilla groove it's like he's like hey here this is crazy bald head and then he's like because he he you know what he played in a reggae band in calgary called activate and then he mm. moved to vancouver and i i actually got that gig like four or five years ago um that he kind of grew up playing and it was it was so scary it's like i was uh <laughs> The, the one white dude on stage and trying to fill the biggest shoes of anyone ever. And it was just like, I, I did it for a couple of years, but it was, uh, it was a hard gig. <laughs> it was like, were, were you at ever, I mean, were you ever comfortable walking on stage with that band or just till the day you stopped? No, no, no. It was so hard. And there was all these backing tracks that didn't have, they're all just through the speakers, no in-ears. So mm. it'd be like all the horns and, and, and things were just coming at you through your monitor. So you'd get three beats a click. It'd be like, that only you could hear on stage and then you'd have to do you know a two bar like <laughs> so like it was so scary because like you'd have like a bar and a half of silence that you had to fill perfectly to start a tune that then you had to drop it perfectly into the bubble so it was uh um anyways yeah ray garraway that he he's got the reggae thing and the hip-hop thing and then he's got this he, he he studied down um do you know Efrain Toro he studied a, a MI teacher no he's written like 20 books on rhythm um oh. he's got you've probably seen like clip of him talking to Alex Acuna and Acuna and um Terry Bozio on drum channel and he's like he's like clap he's like this is five over seven over three but in like the most musical way <laughs> yeah. it's insane so he studied with him and and uh did the MI thing and then went back up to Vancouver. And this was like, you know, that music, it sounds kind of dated because I think that was like 1993 grunge, but with mm -hmm. this like cool island drumming track on it that is just killer. Sorry, I'm it's, yelling no, at you. It, it sounds dated enough, but I was also going to bring up, it doesn't fall into like the Chad Smith give it away now snare drum sound it still right. has a little bit of like it's airy it's snappy but it doesn't sound super dated right 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 it's got more of a reggae thing kind of yeah yeah but yeah that fill i mean is 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 he doing fives there i don't even know because oh, he's obviously doing some kind of stumble down like where is he gonna go but then he lands right right where he needs to right right um yeah yeah <laughs> it's amazing. insane that's that track is uh Oh yeah, I'll never. Now I play along to it all the time, but I'd never post that one. It's like a special <laughs> one for me. It's too all heavy. Right. I can't do it. <laughs> all right. Um, so we already talked about four a.m. Uh, but yeah, let's go to another one that you kind of mentioned, which is "Sing Me Soft" or "Sing Me Softly of the Blues" by John McLaughlin oh, or Glaughlin. Yep. And uh, that's Elvin Jones on drums. So. Yep. And what you said, again, is the fact that it makes me feel like I still don't heal, hear triplets right. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Alvin's Which a I know freak. what you mean. That the fill he does right off the top or like, you know, a couple seconds in. It's like you talk about falling down kind of or just like where the heck does it exist in time? Uh, it blows my mind. Um, and you might have already said this, but how old were you when someone introduced you to Elvin? That was one of the four records that he sent you home. 
With? That was I, but I was on to him way earlier. Just I randomly grew up with uh, a Love Supreme. I just mm, I was obsessed with that record as like even a little guy. So I lucked out that I liked it when I heard it because I. I, I had a lot of, that was the only record that I listened with Alvin, but I listened to it hundreds of times. And, um, you know, that's a pretty special record, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, until, not until I met Andy and he gave me this record cause it's so well recorded. A lot mm -hmm. of his old recordings, like they're incredible, but this one was super well recorded. And he, so that's why I really like this one. Yeah. Uh, well, here it is. Sing me softly of the blues. Yeah, right here. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, nuts. Oh, yeah, and he builds out of it. Simple sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. God. I mean, that's like as heavy as it gets to me. Yeah, no, it is. Um, well, because it, it pulls you in, so it's like you 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 have you get more inside it when it's when it's that soft. It's it, yeah. it is heavier. And he reefs he reefs on the time so hard, and you, I don't know. It's just like this. Like you're like, how do you do that? How do how do you hear that? Like, obviously, you just be Elvin Jones, but. I mean that yeah. that whole it's record a good start. is yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a good start. That whole record is like that. I'm just like uh, I couldn't stop listening to it. And my teacher was like, "Oh yeah, I I I'd recommend listening to this record every day. You know, at least one time." I was like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> well, it's like you know, you 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 think of fills like yeah, I can do this subdivision. I can think of dynamics, but it's like some of those fills he's just displacing his little hit by like a little bit, and that's the that's the hook of that fill. Right. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. And his intent behind it. And it's just, yeah, it's just like the whole package is just pure voodoo. It's like no idea how he does that. When did, do you know when Elvin passed away? Oh, it was just a couple, three or four years ago. I think I could be yeah. way off. Maybe it was five or six, but yeah. Were you I, able to see him live? Never got to see him live. Oh man. I know. Did you? No, no. I I, I kind of want to go to New York just to go see Roy Haynes if he's still doing yeah, some kind of Blue Note stuff. I was talking to Anthony Fung and stuff, and he's still doing it. So I would love to see that. Yeah. And he he's is, like, I, love I think he's, he would have been the same age as Elvin, 95, 94, 95. Yeah, yeah. Which is, jeez, Getting dude. up there. <laughs> no kidding. The Queen's going to send him a letter pretty quick here. I know, yeah. That's amazing. All right, well. 
number four. We're we're blazing through this. I love this. Um, so it's a uh, Dara fact or Dara. I'm gonna let you correct me, but Dara I don't factor know. one. I say Dara factor one. I don't actually know. There you go, Dara Dara factor one. I'll use one of those um, by Weather Report. And that is, I know Weather Report's had a few drummers. Um, I mainly know that because Jake Reed was on the podcast uh, last week, and he used to st- still studies, I think, but used to study heavily with Peter. Um, but that is Peter Erskine on drums. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, let's just play a little bit of it, and then we can talk about it. And you said the sound, vibe, groove, basically the full package. Oh, yeah. Full pack. Peter Erskine's full. P- well, that band is the full package. Yes, yes. Um, here we go. Dar Factor 1. Oh my god. Come on. Mm. Then he just rides like this to the very end. That just puts me in a good mood. That is sure, just, man. What a dope track. Yeah, Weather Report's one of my my uh, island bands. I'm a huge Weather Report fan. I can't get enough of them. So, so what what did you pull stylistically from your playing from from that overall? Well, his just piece of work? Uh, like the, his freedom, like that little drum intro. It's like the sounds are incredible. You know, he's improvising it. It's it's. Uh, it just has like so much intention and and kind of vibe and just this is it's like this little drum this little drum moment that sets up this track that i mean i'm no music theorist but i think <laughs> theorist uh but i think <laughs> it's one one chord like the whole track and then you have these monster musicians that are just making this one chord song ride out for like 5 minutes and and just with these like Wayne Shorter and Joe Zawinul and Jacko, like everyone's kind of just, it just floats as well. Like I, I know I've been saying that a lot, but it's just like this effortless kind of floating magical song. And, and for whatever reason, that one just like really hit home. I really loved that kind of vibe. I actually kind of was thinking about that, that track, leave it at the beginning where you kind of have like a, a crazy like drum thing at the beginning. And then it kind of rides into like a, kind of like a groovy kind of thing Yeah. that Peter Erskine is like, he's such a, he's like a master player. I don't, I know he gets a lot of credit, but I don't know if he gets enough credit. Like he, he truly is one of the greats, um, in, in, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a killer story for that, except that like, that's one that I've just listened to so much and just played to. And, uh, and just the whole thing just resonates with me. I just, I love everything about it from, uh, all the melodies and harmonies going on to the the groove and how he kind of just settles into that second groove and just like rides it right to the end after doing this dope intro i was just like god oh, so cool yeah it's like a fusion and kraut rock made a baby it's just like it just hangs for that, a while <laughs> is that what kraut rock's like i gotta check kraut rock i never listened kraut to kraut rock, rock is like <laughs> 
yeah, it's it's like you know that that motoric beat, the boo boo cat boo 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 cat boo 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 cat, oh, okay, and then okay. it's just like the same note for like nine minutes, but it just like they they bring in and take out elements, but it's just really just you know. What's that? What's to, that famous band? Um, uh, there's a craftwork, um, but Noi is also N E U exclamation point. Oh, okay. uh, or new, but I think oh, it's Kraftwerk is considered Krautrock. Yeah, they're like I guess some people would say they're kind of the the fathers or the easily associated with Krautrock movement. Oh, but Noi cool. is okay. uh, Noi is my favorite Krautrock band. But I also got a comment on the album cover. The album cover of this one is really cool. It's it just best. says weather report and like zooming red Dude, letters. It was like the first computer was invented almost, and they were like, check out this 3D text. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's the cheesiest record cover on the planet. I love it so much. It's great. I want that yeah. t shirt. Um, yeah, I would wear that. So, so do you when, when you're learning stuff, do you because I know you you have you have in your in your videos and stuff, you've transcribed stuff. I mean, is that part of your process into learning something that you just like really want to dissect or are you just more of a hear it and can figure it out? Loop it, by de- loop. it depends. Usually, no. Usually, I don't transcribe um, much. I, I recently um, wanted to learn actual proof that because that was always like this scary song to me. I just was like, "Where's the one? Is it in seven? And it's like, "No, it's in four. You just you like once again, you don't hear it right. And, just having uh, a rough day. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely had to transcribe uh, the first couple bars of that because I was just like, I don't get it. And then I was like, Oh. You're just dumb or, you know, whatever. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That we all I, talk to ourselves, yeah. But, like, if it's, like, an Alvin thing, I can't. I just don't – I don't have the transcribing chops. Like, I don't know. When I hear it, I'm like, hey, I just have to sit there and figure it out because I have no idea how I, I'd write it out. That just is more uh, because I suck at transcribing. I just don't have great transcribing chops. 16th notes, 8th notes, I'm decent. The odd triplet, I couldn't figure out. But, yeah, I normally just sit there um, – I'll loop stuff a lot and then kind of move it. And I have a pretty good memory once I've like, I can memorize things kind of bit by bit. So that's, yeah, that's normally what I'll do. Well, with uh, speaking of Elvin, we had, I had Jake Reed on last week and he brought in uh, the song Vigil by John Coltrane. And it's, it starts out with a, with the Elvin solo essentially. And he was like, is it in time? Is it in weird? Is it, (laughs) you know, free form? And it's like, does it matter? I'm sure, I'm sure Elvin would be like, I don't know why you're transcribing this. I I couldn't recreate that. That was right, all in, right. you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, Elvin's been brought up a lot recently. He wasn't at the beginning, and then now maybe I'm just going in a different direction of, of guests, but Elvin is kind of, uh, you know, no pun intended, you know, reign supreme. Hey! But, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Um, all right, so number five is Crazy Bald Head, and it's the Sly Robbie version. And again, you talk about gravity, weight, separating the limbs into a different universe. Right, yeah. This is pretty much the exact same thing I'd say about the Ray Garraway connection groove, just with something that he gave me that he was working on was this track. Okay, here we go. Chase those crazy bullets out of town. Babylon, you better get out of town. Because I and I built the cabin. God knows. And I and I plant the corn. Teach them didn't my people before me <laughs> slave for this country? Well, then you sing 
that I'm a blocking person like a white kid and living in a white man world. False education, destroy a nation. Do what? Matching up for boys and girls. Cause all the rich man face is only modernization. While the youth man in and they get to face, face operation. But now the job to get them money and them rights and remain all themselves with them big knee and them woman. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> I think I think that one's definitely partially programmed, but it's like yeah. I mean I I was gonna just choose the original Crazy Baldhead Bob Marley track um, because that is insane in its sure. own right. This one was just uh, I think because it's kind of been laid out more on a grid. It's like it's a really awesome track to sit there and try and try and play because it's it's very consistent and there's no real fills it just does dropouts and stuff but it's like if you can sit there and make your hi-hat play in that dimension and then lay your kick and snare like way down there in the abyss it's like uh i don't know it's pretty fun <laughs> not that i could do it i just like i try i mean that's yeah. one of those tracks i just sit there and try and and uh it's so it just sits so heavy i mean do you do you ever when you're not recording something, do you ever just go back and just play an hour of just prog and just cymbals, go crazy, just yeah, say screw technique? Yeah, I did that technique. yesterday. Okay, I, yeah. I played along to that record, um, Yusef Kamal record, Black Focus with uh, Yusef Days. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just I played that full record. For some reason, my house is empty, and everyone thought I was at home working, but I wasn't. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're still but, working, you know. Then saw, you bring yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Now you're able to answer this in the podcast as part of your job, so you know it's yeah, that's all good. Right. It's tax right. write off. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are your those are your five choices, and uh, I know I'm gonna I'm really looking forward to dissecting a little more of uh, going down those those rabbit holes. Uh, more so than just the ones you chose. So thank you for that. And I did want to. Now we can talk about it because if I if I cut it out, uh, I tried to talk about your uh, your website at the beginning, but you were you were too nice and was like, let's talk drums first. Yeah. So now <laughs> now I want you to be a marketing yeah yeah a marketing okay, here guy I go. and 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 fluff yourself up. So, but in all seriousness, oneuploops.com. I've been checking it out the last few days. It's such a rad concept, um, and I think it's going to be a, a big success. So please explain what it is. Well, yeah, for the last 19 months, we, we had to re, did we, we didn't necessarily reschedule, but you were really nice to put, keep putting me off until I was like somewhat done. Cause it'd be like, I swear I'm going to be done this year. I'm like next year, I'll for sure be done. Um, Dude, I get it. Believe me. Any day now. So yeah, the last 19 months when COVID uh, initially hit, um, my neighbor happens to be a Juno award-winning mixing engineer and an amazing drummer in his own right. We just happened to, he moved in and we were like, what? Like in, in Cal, in LA, maybe that's not that weird, but in Calgary, that's like, that's literally one in a million. So yeah. it, when COVID hit, he's like, yo, you know what I've always wanted to do? And I was like, what? He's like, he's like, he's like, I always wanted to have every single hi-hat pattern like recorded by a real drummer at every tempo in multiple fields. So when I'm producing all these tracks, like I don't have to go record the drums. I can just program in the kicks and snares and just like layer in real hi-hats because you just cannot program good sounding real, like live sounding hi-hats. And I was like, all right. So we started and took this eight months and we tracked, you know, hundreds of hours and edited for thousands and got that done. And then it was like, oh, we should do this with shakers and tambourines because like MIDI shakers and MIDI tambourines, like they sound so bad. So we went, recorded 
for so long and then edited for another thousands of hours. And, um, and then essentially now we have the largest database ever recorded of hi-hat shaker and tambourine loops. Um, and some people are like, why would you spend all that time to do that? And, and, but then you actually use them and you're like, I get it. It's like, you can use them for a click track. Like we have slinky, like say you're like, I want a slinky tambourine playing eighth notes accented on the two and four at 113 beats per minute. Like we have that. You just grab it and drag it into your session. And now you're like, you're going to record to that instead of the click. It's like, if you've ever tried to program a slinky click track, it's like, it's, you can't really do it. It sounds, I don't know, but to like record to this stuff and then have them sound so good that you can use them in all your, your final mixes is, uh, I mean, that's, that's a bonus. I mean, I didn't make them to be click tracks. We made them to be in the final mix. It just turns out you can, there's just so many applications for them. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel weird because it kind of sells, sounds silly because now I'm going to have a product no, to I'm sell. No, I'm forcing you. By the way, I've, I'm forcing him to say this. So he's, don't, yeah, don't yeah. feel like he's, he <laughs> he's didn't come on He's forcing me to market to my 19 months of work. But <laughs> Yeah, man, you worked hard on it. Talk about it. But also, I, I don't know if you mentioned yet, but each one of those downloads, you get different microphones. So you can have a choice of the subtle nuances of Sonics or if you're used to a certain kind of sound from a hi-hat. I'm right. sure one of the microphones you uh, you recorded those on will match what's going on in your head. Well, yeah, because if if you're going to record, you know, every pattern that you can think of at every tempo three times over in the three different feels, you learn pretty quick that you're like, we're just going to be using one shaker. Like to do this with multiple shakers is like, I don't know, another 19 months uh, and with yeah. other pairs of hi-hats. So it was kind of like we wanted to give we recorded things with like over 14. Some of them had over 20 microphones um, in stereo and mono. So it's like you get, it's one shaker that we recorded for everything or one tambourine or one set of hi-hats. But because of all the different microphone options, it can sound like a million different, you know, you you can make it sound like anything you want. Yeah. So we, we did these shootouts at the beginning to pick the best pair of hi-hats and shakers. We did like blind tests with like over 10 pairs of hi-hats and, you know, whatever and we we the good thing is spencer and i my business partner is like we both agreed on the the three that we use for the shaker tambourine and hi-hat we it was unanimous it was not like i don't know man i really like really like these ones so that was good that made it a lot easier at the beginning so you don't say what they are are you per, are you gonna purposely be elusive to what you use just so oh no no i'll tell you it, um the hi-hats boiled down to a 15 inch uh zildjian new beats okay um do you know what era i don't they're, okay. It's my pair that I've had forever. Um, they're, they're, I don't know what era they are. Probably 90s? I don't know. No, that sounds... Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like that you didn't know the answer. It just they're, they're the new beats you like. I just know that new beats, I've had a few of them throughout the years, and they can they can be drastically different. Um, right, 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 right. More so than other Zildjian lines, but um, yeah, anyways. Yeah, have you ever had the 15s, or did you always play 14s? Not the 15s. I have... Uh, yeah, there were always 14s. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you like. Uh, I know um, Stephen Wolf. He'd be like, he definitely hails up the 15 inch new beats, and I was, you I mean, he that guy records a lot. So I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, yeah. we're not out to lunch thinking that these might be the best pair. And yeah. then the shaker was that the red, um, the red LP 
You know, there's like that. They're all the same. You know the one. I could grab it right there. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I, My headphones when I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah. that one. It just like little it dual just, barreled thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the one that won out for for shakers because it was just the most versatile. And you can always make a, a, the grain of the shaker sound bigger, kind of with production. But it's really hard to make one of those nasty big grainy shakers sound like soft and kind of you know smooth like that. And then the tambourine was a I don't know, it was just a black LP tambourine um or was it lp Ooh, i should probably get that right it might have been rhythm tech yeah yeah i mean we did the shootout you guys <laughs> we didn't after we chose it was like didn't really matter we just we went with it but yeah well, so it's proving that you weren't paid by the companies to do this because we were was, not actually were not. sonically you chose those for the right reasons so which is nice because i do have a zildjian endorsement so it was going to be a huge bummer if like, Ugh, like that's why i was like do you want to be elusive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but no it just happened to be zildjian um which is great because uh zildjian's the best thank right you zildjian. On, yeah all right carson well dude it was great talking to you man and uh be safe and have a good day thank you so much ben i really appreciate you having me on man yeah, cheers, dude. Okay, see ya, bye. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe, and if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.